Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here on VOWFM 88.1. My name is Mdiwa Mob Justice Gavaza and I will be um, your host for tonight's show. We're going to be taking you from uh, now until about 7 p.m. as we give you your roundup of uh, business and economics news right here on the Business Buzz show. Who's to say that business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure uh, you tune in until the end. For today, we're going to be talking about uh, the big financial decisions in life because as a young person you know there comes a time in every young person's life when they need to make um, some of the big decisions in life and unfortunately sometimes uh, our education system doesn't really do uh, a very good job of uh, teaching us how to approach some of these things so some of the things we're going to be talking about is um, how to approach uh, your job your salary and the like and then after you have the money um, how do you save for investing and then in terms of saving for investing how do you buy a car or a house so that's how the show is going to be looking like those are the things that we are going to be talking about now we have uh, an amazing lineup of guests we're going to be talking um, to specialists around uh, all of these topics so definitely make sure you tune in for that Um, also coming up we're going to be giving you uh, our business wrap on the other side of this uh, with uh, Zanele Kunene from BDO Wealth Advisors as uh, she gives us a roundup of the week top trending business and economics news and then we'll give you the buffalo index where we tell you the state of your 100 rand as we go on, make sure that you remember that you can find VowFM on social media. Uh, keep the discussion going. As a young person, um, have you started making some of these decisions in your own life? Um, are you in the process of uh, buying a car, for example? Um, are you renting? Are you still sort of staying at home? Um, have you got to that stage where you can buy a house? Are you thinking about you know, investing for retirement at your young age of 20, 25, 30 years old? Um, let us know what you think uh, you can find a follow voice uh, of vits that's vits uh, vits fm um on social media on facebook we have our fm that's voice of vits and then you can find our other facebook page that's the vits radio academy on twitter we're at vow fm and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz 0847849412 uh, that's our whatsapp line and you can stream the station live on vowfm.co.za remember that podcasts of the business buzz show are available on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business and you can also just uh, you know do a quick search on iTunes and you can find us there as well so make sure you keep it locked we're here until about uh, 7 p.m. on the other side of this we get into the business wrap the, the business does um, as I said earlier, it's time for us to get into our business wrap. That's a part of the show uh, when uh, we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. On the line, we are joined by our financial expert, Zanele Kunene. How are you, Zanele? Yo, today I'm feeling quite historic. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, South Africa, you know, South Africa began as a process for legislating land expropriation without compensation. Okay, so the process has begun. And the reason why I'm historic is you don't have to feel any type of way, you know, because if you do, you might get a bit heated. So you just feel historic. So that's all I'm doing. Um, so what's been around, going on on this, uh, on this historic day, Zanele? What's happened on this historic day is that the RAND was 
the rant didn't quite uh, feel any type of way as well when it came to this, uh, the news coming up of um, the land expropriation, land expropriation without compensation because we were still within the bandwagon of 49.20 and 49.60. Yeah. Um, but when the, when the USA released their CPI data, um, the RAND was strengthened by that because it showed that in the USA, the cost of living has increased moderately. So yeah, that actually helped us quite a lot by strengthening us, as well as the RAND performed better than other emerging market currencies, and that's quite, quite good. Some more good news is that um, the retail sales figures for September came out. <laughs> Let us see. The retail sales increased by 0.7%, but that is quite disappointing because a lot of um, the analysts are saying it would increase by 2.2%. So everyone was expecting that. And the reason for that was in August, um, the retail sales data um, was at about two point, increased by 2.5%. So we did increase by 0.7, but it wasn't what we wanted. But we are happy for the increase because remember in the first quarter of this year, our economy shrunk by 2.6%. The second quarter, you know, our economy also shrunk by 0.7%. So so the retail data having increased shows is a good indicator of how the third quarter is looking and it's looking quite good for now. And talking about retail sales, Black Friday is coming up. Are you a Black Friday fanatic or... I've never been able to actually um, get to the till on a Black Friday. I think that's that's where the big problem lies. So if one of the websites isn't crashing, then I'll, then I'll participate in Black Friday. Oh, yeah, the websites do <laughs> crash. And, and as well, you know, a lot of people get injured. That's why I'm afraid. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but one of my one of the things I always love looking into is what does Black Friday actually do for the economy? And this is something we should ask ourselves when any of these um, seasons or festive seasons happen: is what does it actually do for us? How does it translate into making the country a better, a bit putting the country in a better place? Um, so what it actually does is it shows consumer confidence. Um, within the economy. It shows that how are we as consumers engaging with the economy. So if our consumer confidence is good, that translates into business confidence and that translates into investors want to invest. So it it makes us look attractive when our our consumer confidence is higher. But this Black Friday, what a lot of analysts have been saying was that people might be a bit more conservative this time around. As I said, you know, our economy has not been doing that great in the first and the second quarter. So what they're saying is that we could expect people to be more conservative with their budget, um, just looking at how the the price of the the price of living basically or the cost of living and also the disappointing unemployment rate that we were hit with this year. Um, but in terms of happy news, we have to have some happiness somewhere. Um, the Automobile Association says that they are they believe that we might have a petrol decrease by the end of November. November, but I'm not going to say about how much. I don't want any expectations. Um, <laughs> you know, we're not putting any expectations, but we, it might happen. Mm. It might happen. Mm.
So that was us with Zanele. You 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 heard her. She doesn't want to tell us uh, what the what the decrease might be like. Uh, but you heard that uh, the 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 price decrease might be happening. Um, the other thing that you heard about is the fact that Black Friday is happening next week. And interestingly enough, um, we are going to be talking around uh, Black Friday and Christmas um, marketing and that type of thing um, as we get into sort of that festive season. Uh, sort of thing next week so definitely make sure you tune in for our show now the other issue is just the rand you know it's the rand um and <laughs> i don't know what else to say except that uh, it's strengthened marginally i think last week uh we saw it uh going uh below the 14 rand mark for the first time uh, but this week you know sort of steadied uh back to the levels that it was at so thank you so much to zanele she is our financial expert from uh, bdo wealth advisors uh, for giving us a roundup of the week's top training business and economics news on the other side of this we tell you the state of your 100 in our Buffalo Index. You're tuned in to the Business Bus. It's time for us to tell you the state of your 100 rand with our Buffalo Index. And we have our executive producer, Elna, uh, in the building to tell us what it's looking like. How are you, Elna? Good, and this is a nice show because we all have big questions. Yes. So I want some big answers today. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what to do with my money. Uh, uh, uh. So on the Buffalo Index today, I thought, you know what? We are doing um, a lot of practical advice on yeah. the show today. So how? what is if you want to learn a bit more on mm, your own? Mm, mm. Um, and uh, one of the places you can do that of course is online yeah so i found uh something called the old mutual moneyversity yeah pretty clear money <laughs> moneyversity.coza <laughs> and there's all kinds of free online courses you can do yeah it's pretty simple and basic we're not talking about like a phd here yeah. there's things that maybe you can do on the side just to get yourself a little bit clued up yeah and there are so many different kinds of um of course, it's everything from you and tax to uh, how to save, how to get rid of debt. Very, very useful for things like that. They have a whole list of things available. And they have videos, games, infographics. So you learning on these courses is, mm. is pretty simple. You just you watch some videos, you do some quizzes and some games, yeah. and um, then in the end you get like a digital certificate. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah so that's that's one thing uh, one thing to do and uh, they release this for free you do have to get an account and log in but it is free zero buffaloes and the reason behind old mutual putting so much effort into this is because they think that if they put the money into or the effort into creating this it's going to reduce debt. Aww. So it's going to make people more aware of <laughs> yeah, how to deal with their money yeah. and therefore reduce debt, which is something that we yeah, all I, want. I think it's a good thing as well. Uh, because you know it, it, they say that education is expensive. I'd actually be keen to see what it looks like uh, because I haven't seen it personally. Yeah, just so that you know, we can see how inter entertaining and interactive it is. 
It is. So there's lots of little like cute videos. I'm actually opening it up here in our studio for you yeah. so you can see and you can see here that some of the courses are like surviving on what you have. <laughs> Budgeting 101, keeping some money for yourself, securing yeah. a bright future. Mm. And then um, you can actually go and look at one of the demo courses online and they'll show you little things like here's an infographic. Um, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, so mm. there's, there's um, it's very good information, but packaged in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming yeah. at all. Yeah. Which, if they told me the exact same thing in a PDF of just Times New Sex, Romans, yeah. it would have been boring. It would. Yeah. And it would have been a little bit, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah. So that's something all of us can do for free. Um, and Old Mutual does also have face to face workshops in all. 11 official languages which I love that's as, actually good as part of their on the money program so that's more if you're an employer for instance yeah. but they do have those kind of things too cool which brings me to my next point yeah. if you don't just want to do this online you say Alma I actually need some serious professional help when it comes to personal finances there are one day courses you can do and I found an example here from Insimbi Training and it is aimed mostly at employees but anybody can join these courses if you're willing to pay for them and it focuses on managing your personal finances again personal debt and just being able to live within your means mm. and they try mm. to do all of that in one day and they focus on everything from your day to day finances to say to things like buying a house. So a lot of the things we're going to be talking about today on the show. Did you say one day? Yes. A one day course. Full day? 25 buffaloes. So 2,500 rand. And, oh. and a little bit. I'd actually be keen to see how much they're able to pack. Because I've attended a lot of one day classes. Mm -hmm. And one day whether you're doing like eight hours from like eight until like... Uh, eight until four or doing eight to six, it's not that much time, eh? Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, if you think about what you get through in a in a work day yeah. or a day at varsity, it's a bit, but not that much. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, f and for the fact that it's two and a half grand, that seems like a lot for me for one day. Yeah, but. If you need those fundamentals, it might change everything for you and save you so much more than that mm -hmm. over the long term. So it isn't my natural choice, <laughs> but it is something you can do. Okay, cool. Um, and then my third example here for us today is something free again and from a very big name, the JSE. Mm. So the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, I don't know if you actually knew this, Madura, but nah. they have free power our investor seminars mm, mm, mm. that if you want to get into investing you can join their seminars that actually sounds quite cool yeah. I, I, I didn't know that this existed I, I also thought it was very cool and maybe one of the reasons you didn't know it existed is because to attend them is a little bit you have to be a little bit sneaky you need to know where to find this information mm. I wasn't able to find the information just openly as an event yeah. what you actually have to do is go to the JSE page go to individual investors scroll to the bottom <laughs> stay with me uh, go to keep updated at the bottom where you sign up for the newsletter yeah. and click you would like to receive information about the power hour f uh, investment uh, seminars 
That's very confusing. And then you're going to get a newsletter telling mm, you about mm. it. So, yeah, maybe we should call the JSE and say, you know, open up the circle a little bit, make it a little bit more obvious. But it does sound like a great opportunity. And just to give you an example, one of their past ones was Simon Brown from um, from a company called Just One Lap. Representing um, representing that company to talk about exchange traded funds and what might happen in the year to come. Mm. I actually think that this is the one that I would go for. Out of everything that was done here, I w- I would definitely be keen on the JSC ones, yeah. especially because they're giving me secret circle vibes. Mm. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> you have to find it all sneaky. Exactly. I've yeah. got to say, uh, funnily enough, at first I thought it was silly money. You, not silly, but uh, it was too simple, moneyversity. Mm. But the more time I spent on the site, the more I thought maybe it's just really interactive, lovely presentation. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it's not solid advice. Yeah. And it it made me wonder how much I think I'm in control and I know. But if I read this and went, did this course, maybe I'd realize that I'm not as smart when it comes to my <laughs> personal finances as I thought. And for that one, last point would just be, I wonder how recognized the certificate is. It's not at all. <laughs> as far as I can tell, yeah. um, please correct me if I'm wrong or yeah. mutual, but I can't see any kind of, it's a, it's a, it's an on, it's online. an online star, okay, cool. gold star on the forehead. Okay, I don't cool. think it'll get now you anywhere. I was just checking, maybe, you know, there was a university that rubber stamped the whole thing, no. you know, but okay. Cool. There are, there are courses like that, personal mm. finance courses, but even that, you you go into financial official financial management very mm. quickly. There aren't that many courses that are just you and your money. Okay, cool. So you heard that's the state of your 100 rand. If you're a person trying to educate themselves on how to deal with your own finances, uh, we heard about the JSC Power Hour, uh, the free investor seminars. We also um, heard about uh, Old Mutual's Money Varsity and then together with Insimbi Trading, uh, which gives you a one day crash course uh, for 25 buffaloes on the other side of this we get into some advice from some experts um, just around how you and your money can uh, make the big decisions in life as a young person keep it locked this is the business buzz on the business buzz it's time for us to get into our main topic uh, for today and uh, we are talking as we said earlier on we are talking about making the big financial Financial decisions in your life, especially as a young person. Um, how do you navigate some of these uh, waters when you start making money? And we're going to be looking first at, you know, what happens when you start making money? Um, how do you actually negotiate that process? Uh, because it seems that uh, negotiating salaries and actually knowing what you're worth in the market seems to be some type of voodoo. And we have um, an expert on the line who's going to tell us how you can navigate that and then once you start making the money how do you then invest uh, how do you then buy a car how do you buy a house and then lastly we're going to be looking at how do you then save for investing so on the line for us uh, to continue uh, we are joined by Tandeka Ngumbalo who is a recruitment uh, recruitment specialist and director for 
two tone uh, who are uh, recruitment specialists um as we are talking to her remember that you can find us on facebook we are vow fm that's voice of vits and then now uh, we have the vits radio academy facebook page on twitter we're at vow fm and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz um how are you tendega I'm good. I'm good. Welcome. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Um, In in terms of, uh, we are having our show today just around how young people can make uh, some of the big financial decisions. And we feel like one of the big ones uh, when you're you're trying to invest for your future is actually getting a job. Um, So in terms of getting that first job, should a young person be looking for that very, very first job that comes their way or should they take time? to find a job that's actually right for them? Welcome. It's such a difficult question to answer, I must be honest with you. However, as a recruiter, I would say a person must start working while still in high school, varsity, have a part-time position. Mm. Because when you do that for yourself, you do yourself a great favor because then by the time you finish your metric, you finish your degree, at least you've got some work experience. Yeah. It might not be related to what you've studied, but at least there is someone that they can call for a reference. Yeah. In terms of timekeeping, are you reliable? Are you the kind of, of, of a worker that thinks out of the box? Um. So but now... Oh, sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, no, I was, uh, I was actually about to say, so when a person actually um, finds themselves uh, in a job, let's say now it's now um, after varsity and the person has actually done what you said and they had that uh, previous work experience, it was not necessarily related. They might have been a waiter or done some bartending. Maybe they worked in a workshop somewhere, whatever it is, and then they now find themselves in that first job um, I think one of the things that really gives young people anxiety is how do you know what you're worth uh, when it then comes to salary negotiations um, if you just um, okay I think we're talking about two people that are different here we're talking about someone who has no work experience and someone who has work experience Okay. and both these people are exposed to people that are currently working either in the same career that they're wanting to join. And um, they know, because that's what people should be aware of as well. Ask from your neighbors, ask from your colleagues, when you started, how much were you earning, roughly? If it was between 8 and 10, if it was between 20 and 30, because then you are able to, to gauge for yourself as an individual that this is what, I should be getting in my first job or in my first corporate environment kind of a job, let alone that I've started off as a waitress or I've started off as a bar person or so on. But at least it gives you a guideline. Mm. And also you familiarize yourself with where recruiters and companies are advertising positions. Yeah. Yes. Because also that also is a guideline for you that okay, if I'm going to be a PA, I'm going to be earning X and X amount mm. if I don't have any experience. Mm. Then by the time you go to an interview, you have some clue of what you should expect should be offered to you. Mm. Yes. 
okay. you open up doors in in a way that you know even if they offering you so much and you think it's little but at least you know that someone else started here <laughs> and that's the problem with uh, young people now yeah. everyone wants to start at the bottom we all want the high salaries yes. and we all think we can tell the employer that this is how much I want to earn and this is how much you should be paying me. Yeah. Whereas the employer still has the right to decide that because of your experience, because of your qualifications, well, a fair employer for that matter can decide that because of all these, that you have no work experience, you've graduated, that I can pay you this much. So, inter- so when 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 that then happens, um, the employer and the employee have, uh, as you're saying, you know, uh, young people need to sort of humble themselves around what's actually going on in the market and uh, what employers are prepared to pay and the like, mm-hmm. and just educate mm-hmm. themselves. Um, one of the things that also comes along with these um, salary negotiations is. Um, benefits and packages and stuff like that um should young people just be taking everything that comes whether it's medical aid uh, retirement funds and housing allowances or should they actually take time uh, to actually read through these things and actually yes. make a choice or should you just accept what's given to you as is yes I think people should take time before deciding on signing on that dotted line. You need to read the contract. You need to read the offer that's being offered to you. You need to be very mindful of your situation. That, okay, I've told my parents I'm going to be earning 15 because that's the first thing you discuss with your parents when you when you start your first job. Mm. So you need to go back home and look at this offer and see how, whether it will be beneficiary for you to get all these benefits, or whether you just want the cash component and you can only always pay your own medical aid for uh, on a private basis. Mm. But also remembering that when you do pay privately, you're losing the contribution of the employer. Mm. Yes. So the the first contract or the first person, the, the the first start job in a way those are the things that people should be able to discuss with their families with their colleagues or with um people that they close and that they trust so that they make the right decision because remember we uh, i grew up in a generation where we hit stuff no one knew what i was earning in my first <laughs> job you, you see but yeah. it did not benefit me because now when you start hearing other stories, you're like, oh, I'm also in that boat. How did I get myself in there? Whereas now the generation that's starting new jobs now, they are in an environment or in families where they are able to discuss issues of, of monetary or benefits for that matter from their employer. So, um, Tendeka, how now that we we've gotten all the money things out of the way, we've discussed the benefits. We know how much we are worth. How long does a young person stay in that first job for without um, being seen as someone who's just moving jobs um, opportunistically or just for money? How long is a is a good amount of time to stay in the first position? Well, 
You need to stay as long as it, as it is necessary for you to learn everything. And when I say that, I say that for some, it takes them three years. Yeah. Others, it takes them five years. Because if you job hopping, that never looks good on your CV. Yeah. Yes. Employers are very um, scared of employing <laughs> people who stay one year, two years. Because also we have to be mindful that the employer is investing money on this. Mm. When there is a new position, whether it's being created or it's an available position that uh, they're looking for someone, money is spent on that. Mm. And that's what young people also have to be very mindful of. It's not only about me as an employee only. Mm. There are other factors involved. It's not about me just getting that job. There's a lot that goes behind the scenes for a company. Mm. In finding you, the person that they're looking for. Yes. So um, I say to people most of the time, and we do this on a daily basis, stay as long as it's necessary for you to learn everything. Learn about the company that you're working for. Learn about everyone in the company. If there's a finance department, you must know when do they pay their invoices. Even if you're a receptionist, know all that. Because you you never know who might walk in and ask you a question. Mm. And then you find yourself, you don't even know the answer. Mm. And also, if you're learning, that's also opening up doors for you within that same company that you're currently in. Mm. Because then you're getting promotions. Everyone can see that you think out of the box. Everyone can see that you use your own initiative. Everyone can see that you have problem-solving skills. And you get promoted within a company. So staying as long as it's necessary, it's very important. And I say this without putting time frames. For others, depending on on the environment or depending on the nature of the work, you need to stay as long as it's necessary. You need to stay as long as necessary. That's what uh, Tendeka is saying. Um, Thank you so much to Tendeka. She is a recruitment specialist and director at Two Tone. Uh, She's telling us that you need to stay as long as it takes for you to learn. That's the first thing. And then the other thing that was very interesting that she said is, as a young person, you need to be patient and you need to uh, just humble yourself when it comes to the salary negotiations. So that's us. Um, We're talking about the big financial decisions. We've just spoken about what happens when you get into um, the first first job. So on the other side of this, we're now going to be starting to talk about what happens when it comes to making uh, some of the purchasing decisions. That's buying a car or then buying a house. So keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. You're tuned in to The Business Buzz. We are talking, making the big financial decision, uh, decisions in our life, especially as young people right here on the business bus. We just came from talking to uh, Tandeka Ngumalo, who is a recruitment specialist just around how do young people approach the job market and then um, approach their earnings and how much they're actually worth. So then when you now 
have that part sorted in your life and you're now making the money uh, we now want to know how do you make some of the uh, sort of uh, the first major purchasing decisions in your life and on the line we're joined by uh, Esther Ush uh, who is a product specialist with FNB Wealth and Investment and we're going to be talking around how do you approach buying a car and then possibly how do you then approach buying a house um, how are you Esther? Yeah, hey, right. Thanks to you. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you so much for being with us. So, please, can you tell some of our young people what uh, some of the major considerations are when buying a car? I think uh, that's usually one of the first major financial decisions that young people tend to make. And sometimes people get caught in traps, balloon payments, payment periods, interest rates, and the like. So, what what should uh, young people be thinking about? about you know it's, it's actually amazing that the first thing that you think about when you've got your degree or you're getting some sort of income is to go and buy a big fancy car <laughs> um <laughs> you know and we all get into that whole situation so you know what i'd like to to sort of start with when it comes to buying a car is don't go and buy the most expensive car that you can afford you know a car is very much and to use the term an ego purchase it makes you look good you want to show off to your friends and to your mates and then Ultimately, what you're going to do is you're going to put your financial stability at risk. So a few things that you need to consider when you buy a car is do the calculations carefully of what you can afford. So you look at your budget, the negotiable, the non-negotiable part of your budget. So only once you've done that properly, so the non-negotiable bills on your budget will be things like bond, rent, those type of things. And then obviously your car payment in there as well. Now, there's something you need to make sure when you buy a car is you need to make sure that you've got insurance on that car. Yeah. A lot of people think that oh, it's not going to happen to them or something, nothing's going to happen to them, an accident's not going to happen. But you must be able to afford the insurance on the car. So when you work out how much you can afford to pay on a car, make sure that you've included the insurance on that. Because, you know, if, to, to put it this way, if you're driving along and you drive into a big fancy SUV or something like that, you're responsible for the damages to that car. <laughs> and that could financially cripple you right at the beginning of your career. And that's one thing you want to avoid. Yeah. So make sure you can avoid, you can first of all um, afford the insurance. Then the next thing that you need to look at is how much can you afford. Now, you mentioned something there about a balloon payment. What a balloon payment intrinsically does is you pay a portion of the capital amount at the end of the financing period. Yeah. And there could be anything between zero and sort of 40, 45. I've heard of 60 as well, but then the sort of norm is between zero and 40%. So it sounds great. You're paying a lot lower premium during the time, but then at the end of the five-year period or six-year period or whatever the period is, you've now suddenly got to come up with a huge chunk of cash in to pay the car off. <laughs> so... You know, and that's you've got to be careful of that because it's, it's again, you can sort of be tying yourself to a car for the rest of your life, or tying yourself to a sort of rolling finance for the rest of your life. So, yeah, you know, a, a nice guideline is don't buy a car that's sort of more than half your annual salary, maximum your annual salary. Yeah, that's very much a nice guideline. So, between half and, and um, and uh, your annual salary. That's the first time. Be careful of residual payment. And then your financing period is sort of between zero and six years. The norm is normally 60 months. 
So, you know, over five years you pay the car off. So those are some of the considerations that you need to have. But please do the calculations and resist that temptation to buy that big bu- buy that big bucky or that you know that fancy German car to buy it very early <laughs> in career with over a seventy two month period with a forty percent residual because it's not a good financial decision at this moment in time. Okay, so now that we have the car, the car, and sort of those misconceptions out of the way, and uh, we've spoken, I like the guideline that you've just given around. Uh, make sure that it's around half your annual salary, the actual cost of the car. Um, so the other maximum, eh? yeah, so, maximum, maximum. <laughs> yeah. So the other financial decision that young people, you know, you hear a lot of young people saying that they want to own property or own where they live. And a lot of young people, particularly young professionals in Johannesburg, um, tend to be renting and the like. So I guess the the question then becomes, when is the right time to sort of then make that switch from renting to actually uh, paying off a mortgage or a bond? Uh, and is that advisable? or is it just better to keep renting in some cases? Yeah, so look, I do think it's, it's better and you know that you're paying off your own bond as opposed to paying someone else's bond. But then, again, it comes with a whole bunch of other considerations. So if you're renting a place, you don't have the problems of the oven blows or you need to replace the geezer because that's all normally sorted out in your rental contract. Whereas if you've got a bond... Again, some of the considerations you need to think of. You need to pay insurance on the property. You need to make sure that you've got levies, that you can afford the levy. So there's a couple of other costs that come with it. But the advantage of having your own bond is a house is an appreciating asset. So it grows in value on year on year, mm. um, which is quite a nice So I think the calculation is after sort of five years of paying off your bond, you actually turn into a break-even so that you start making money, in inverted commas, on your house. Yeah. So your asset value starts growing, and it's far more beneficial to you. Now, again, let me give you guys a little bit of a rule of thumb here in terms of affordability on a house. So all your house costs, so that is your bond, it's your levies, it's your rates and taxes, it's your water, and all of that yeah. added together shouldn't be more than 30% of your gross salary. 30% of your gross salary. Yeah, so that's your before they take off tax and everything. Yeah. And again, make sure that you can afford that. So don't just <laughs> buy a new car, buy a new house, and, you know, sort of take, take it slow, small steps. I know, you know, and we all fall into that into that trap early on in our careers. We're styling, we've got a new job, we've got to getting a proper income. We now suddenly want to go and set ourselves up an adult. Yeah. Um, and want to buy a house, want to buy a car, just take it baby steps, make proper financial decisions. Don't jump into anything. And, you know, buying a house is a massive commitment. It's the biggest purchase you'll ever make. Yeah. So work out those budgets and make sure that you can afford it properly. And then, um, Esther, one of the things that we were really keen to find out, it's actually a question that's coming in uh, from right here in the studio from uh, our producer, is just around, uh, because we're talking balloon payments earlier on, and I think debt financing, whether it's cell phone contracts, buying furniture over 36 months and the like, is something that's common to, is common to people. And the question was just around early settlement. Why is it 
that um, if a person happens to have, let's say, a lump sum or um, able to pay off uh, whatever it is uh, that they have, let's say someone has purchased an iPhone, for example, and it was meant to be over 36 months, and then um, I guess their payments were like 500 rand a month, but then in the middle, in the first year, they, you know, happen, they start making decent money and they decide, no, I'm just going to pay um, 10,000 rand all at once and be done with it. Why is it that um, early settlement fees end up being sort of higher in some cases than the actual price of uh, the good or product that's actually being purchased? Yeah, so, so they actually calculate the interest into the rest of the period. But that being said is if you structure your stuff properly, so if you structure your stuff um, sort of vehicle finance, you go through, through a reputable organization like West Bank for vehicle finance, they actually won't charge you early settlement. If you settle the car on early, what normally happens is they give you a rebate on the interest. Yeah. The same with a bond. If you pay your bond off earlier as well, you do get that little bit of an interest benefit. Yeah. As for the rest read the fine print make sure that you understand carefully what the early settlement figures and penalties are before you start signing anything up Mm. So, you heard it right there. We were talking to Esther Ush, who is a product specialist with F&B Wealth and, fin- Wealth and Investments, telling us what uh, some of the financial mistakes people are making um, out there about uh, about houses about cars and the like and i like the two rules of thumbs that he gave us so the first one about cars make sure that the car uh, is uh, worth half of your annual salary and then he also said that make sure that if you're going to be uh, buying a house all your housing costs uh, whether it's levies your mortgage and the like are not more than 30 percent of your gross salary so that's it in terms of the housing uh, we've spoken about getting the job and knowing what your worth now on the other side of this we're going to be talking now about how to save and then invest for that future that you want keep it locked this is the business buzz We are talking saving, investing, financial planning, how to make the big financial decisions in your life as a young person here on the business bus. We came from talking about how do you secure a job and the right salary and your earning potential with Tandeka earlier on. And we just came from talking to Esther from F&B around how do you approach buying a house? How do you approach buying a car? So right now we are on the line with uh, you know someone who actually was on the show previously i remember we had him on the show uh, last year uh, we are with uh, on the line we're joined by ricardo tishera who is from bdo wealth advisors he is the chief operating officer and he's now going to be letting us know um, how to make the decisions around saving and investing for that ideal future how are you ricardo I'm doing great, Madhura. How are you doing? Uh, fine, thank you. So, yes. as we begin, what are some of the what are the big decisions that a young person should yeah. be making about uh, saving and investing? And uh, so can we yeah. sort of break that down into the stages, um, like you know, if someone okay. is in school in their twenties and their thirties and the like? Okay, I think that's a great place to start, Madhura. Yeah. Uh, if I can, before I go down to some of the stages, I think what I must share with you from a financial planning experience and having dealt with clients over many years, um, I think what we see, whether it's with a, a schoolgoer or whether it's with um, a young adult or a retiree, 
everyone has the same challenge when it comes to saving. Yeah. And that is, it's, it's foreign. It's, it's, it's almost, uh, <laughs> abstract. So I just want to put that out there that if you feel like that, you're okay, you're normal. <laughs> <laughs> so I think with that as background material, I think if, if we start, and it's quite, it's quite relevant looking at different phases of our of our of our life because yeah. we look at money differently. So as a school leaver, I think some of the, the key things that one needs to look at is really just learning, asking questions and learning and understanding what does this concept of saving mean? What is my, what is the habit that I'm trying to form? How do I deal with allocating money? Um, I think so the concept that you want to grasp at that age is actually that, A, you know what, where money originates from? And secondly, that you've got this power in you to do an allocation of it. I yeah. can determine how much I spend and how much I sort of set aside for something else. Yeah. So if you can start with that, I think it's a great starting point. Uh, thereafter, once you get into your 20s and you now typically are possibly earning, whether it's a part-time job or maybe your first full-time job, but at that point, it is most fundamental that from then onwards, you are mature enough to actually start establishing a habit of setting aside money that you're not going to touch. Mm. And, and, and that, and I, can, I cannot stress enough that that, that phase of our life is fundamentally important. If we can, at, a, at an early age, in your 20s, start yeah. creating that habit of just setting aside and having the discipline of putting aside the 50 rand a month or 50 rand a week, whatever the number is that you can, and leaving it, not touching it, you are going to be set for success. Um, and, and I think what we've seen as financial planners at BDO time and time again is that wealth is not determined by your income. Wealth is determined by your spending. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and, and that to me, I'll repeat it. I mean, wealth is determined by your spending. If we, can, we can all be earning a lot of money, but if we, all, we can all be earning at different levels of money. But if you are spending, it doesn't matter what you're doing, what you're earning. You're not going to be wealthy. Yeah. Mm, mm, so that, that, mm. that habit can be formed early in the 20s. And, yeah. And, 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 I think, and, and I'll get back to it. Maybe I'll just give you an example later on, on sort of compounding. But as you move through your age, and let's say you go into your 30s, what's key there is actually now stepping up the discipline of saving. Because in your 30s, I know it myself, um, I, look about, I look back and typically when you start sitting down, getting a home and family, and it's quite easy to get into a lot of debt. So what the temptation is in your 30s is to now start allocating a lot of your earnings to spend on, on debts or lifestyle. So what we found works quite well is, is setting yourself a target of having 20% of your income towards, allocated towards savings, yeah. long-term savings. And as your income grows, if you keep that 20% benchmark, you're okay. And if you can hear what I'm saying here, it's also just building on that habit. You started out early understanding money, you know, Understanding that I've got, I've got to do it. You create the habit at early stage, and once you've got the habit going, with you, it's not difficult because it just becomes the norm. That you always know of every hundred rand I get, twenty rand's going to go into this account. Mm. And I'm not going to touch it. So, in terms of that, um, sorry to ju- to to interject very quickly uh, because I like the fact that you've brought in this twenty uh, percent. Um, are there other type of allocations um, that a person should be making? Like, if twenty percent um, is about saving, then what allocation then goes towards perhaps um, paying off debts that a person might have in their life or lifestyle expenses or you know just maintaining you know this uh, this life that we have 
Yeah, yeah. And, and I heard with interest, and, I'm, and I um, acknowledged the comment made earlier, but I think it was by Esther, um, uh, about the 30% on, on home spend. Yeah. So if I, if I can build on that, so really what, what, we, what we look at as a BDO we've used very successfully is we don't talk about budgeting, uh, we talk about allocation of money. Yeah. And what we like to use is a simple formula and a simple framework, and we call it the 50 20 20 10 methodology. You said 50? 50, 50, 20, 20, 10. 50, 20, 20, 10. I hope everyone is uh, taking note of what uh, yeah, Ricardo is saying one. to us right now. <laughs> okay, so, so listen, and you can apply this at any phase of your life, at any point of your, wherever you are, no matter how wealthy or where you're starting out or where you are. But essentially the, the methodology is that 50% of your, it's, it's all about ratios, okay? It's yeah. all about ratios. And what the thinking and the, and the logic is that not more than 50% of your income should be allocated to your living. Yeah. And living is including the, the, the debt to pay for your home, yeah. as well as all the expenses around the home. So your water, your lights, your levies, your rates, your gardening, uh, any other maintenance and insurance that goes into having a home, yeah. not more of more than 50% of your income should be going to that. Yeah. That's number one. Thereafter, 20% is the number that you want to use around a car or transport. Okay. So not more than 20% of your earnings should be in spending on a car. And, and that's often a tough one. If we, if we, we have to be really tough. So as many coaches, when we're dealing with our clients, <laughs> we ask the hard questions and we get some really embarrassed red faces and we start looking at how much money is being spent on cars. Yeah. Then the, the second 20 is the savings element, which I've spoken about early, yes. earlier. And that's a 20. And then the last 10% is the living. And that's the entertainment, the good things, the luxuries. So. Ah, the finer things. Okay. And, and that's fine, exactly. And, and that's the 100. So what we advocate as a principle is you've got to live. Money's to be lived with and we've got to live. You've only got one life, you must live it. Yeah. But it's all about in, in relation to what you're earning. Yeah. And if you keep that ratio through your life, as your earnings increase, you keep the 50, 20, 20, 10, you know what, you've got a good habit, number one. And secondly, you're always going to be living. You'll always be going out. And actually, you must spend more, obviously, the 10% of uh, a 10,000 rand salary is a lot, is less than 10,000 on, uh, sorry, 10% on a 100,000 rand salary. Mm. But you can be living within your means if you keep those ratios. And then because uh, because of time I have, uh, I can only ask the one more is just around millennials because I think a sure. lot of uh, a lot of our listeners are those young people in that uh, sort of age group. What are some yes. of, from your experience? Uh, what are some of the typical sort of financial pitfalls um, that you found millennials getting themselves in unnecessarily um, mm. over over the time, like the mistakes that people you know tend to make um i guess sometimes you you think it's wise but it actually then turns up being uh foolish yeah so so there's two that come to mind yeah if i can show you the first one is bitcoin is not an investment (laughs) (laughs) and i know i'm going to get a lot of mail for that i'm sure yeah (laughs) but it's not i think blockchain is a great technology and it really has a place in 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 our world and in commerce yeah in society but the concept of bitcoin is, is not an investment. Yes. Possibly a currency, but it's not yet a currency. So we're not quite sure what it is, but uh, that's a pitfall <laughs> that often we, 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 we coach and, and educate millennials on. Um, so that's number one. Yeah. Then number two is the, the magic of compounding. Yes. The magic of compounding is totally misunderstood. 
and I think we know what compounding is, it's return on return. Yeah. But I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to leave with the, with the story of Ben and Arthur. Yeah. Two, two millennials, both 19 years old. Yeah. Ben decides to put 2,000 rand away a year from age 19, and Arthur says, no, I'll wait until I'm 27 or when I'm older. So Ben says, no, that's fine, I'll do it from 19 to 26, I'll put away 2,000 rand a year, and then I'll stop. Arthur says, I'll start when I'm 27, because that's when I've got money, and I'll carry on saving 2,000 rand a year. So you've got two individuals, same age, but starting at different stages. One really starting seven years apart, right? Ben, after seven years, puts away, uh, oh, sorry, after eight years, puts away 16,000 rand. Mm. Okay. Arthur only started at age 27 and runs all the way to age 64. He puts away 78,000 rand. Okay. Do you want to take a guess, Madhue, what the difference is between Ben and Arthur and their long-term savings after 60, at age 64? Mm. I feel like it's going to be a big number that I'm not ready for. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you? <laughs> yes, please. Okay, so, so uh, Ben, who started at age 19, yeah. and only saved for eight years, will have 2.2 million rand. 2.2 million, okay. Okay. Arthur, who started at age 27 and had to continue putting in money um, and landed up putting in 78,000 rand, will only have 1.5 million. Oh, wow. That's a big, that's a big difference. That's 700 that's, million. Correct. Correct. 700,000 rand difference. Just because of seven years yeah. of... 16,000 rand. And I think, so I'll leave you with that because I think that's the magic that millennials have got in their power. If you can start at a young age, a small amount, and you do it consistently, you can be very wealthy one day. So, you heard it from uh, Ricardo Teixeira, uh, the fact that uh, you need to start saving young. Uh, the two big uh, takeaways from what you were saying, uh, you heard uh, the the financial pitfalls that millennials are getting into, is that one, Bitcoin is not an investment, and two, you need to take cognizance of the wisdom of com. Pounding. So that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, the other takeaway from uh, Ricardo that I liked was uh, he gave us uh, the ratio. He said 50, 20, 20, 10, uh, 50% on living expenses uh, that have to do with your house and the like, 20% on transport, uh, 20% on savings, and then 10% on entertainment and the finer things. So, yes, that brings us to the end of uh, today's show. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who was listening and to to all our guests on the show. Uh, thank you to uh, Tandeka Ngumalo, who is from Two Tone. Uh, she was a recruitment specialist. Uh, thank you to Esther Osh uh, from FNB Wealth and Investment. And then thank you to Ricardo Teixeira from BDO Wealth Advisors, just giving us knowledge around how to save and invest for your life. So that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, you can uh, keep in touch with us on social media. Let us know if you've learned anything and if you are actually going going to use any of the pearls of knowledge that have been uh, set forth uh, during this show. On Facebook, we are VowFM's Voice of Vits, and you can also find us uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's at VowFM. Our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. 0840784912. Uh, that's our WhatsApp line, and you can also stream the station live on VowFM.co.za. Remember that podcast of the, of the Business Buzz show are available on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business so with that we come to the end of tonight's show uh, thank you so much to our amazing team our executive producer that's Alna Schutz and then our producer welcome Lishiva shout out uh, to uh, our girl um, 
Aslingiwa, who's not here with us today, unfortunately, but I think she will be back next week. Uh, so we'll be, you know, in the studio today. I was riding solo. And then uh, thank you to our technical producer, that's Kutluano Serame. Don't miss the business bus, same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of business. Next up on the VFM lineup, we have Life Beats. And with that, that's the end of the show. For myself, Mdio Mob, Justice Gavaza, and the rest of the team, is good evening and take care. More justice on the Business Buzz. The Business Buzz Podcast.